You are listening to The Jacob Sessions, a podcast of thechristianmanifesto.com. Friends, culture, and dialogue. So, my hat's off today is to a brilliant couple who, they did a newborn photo shoot with their dog to stop people from asking about babies. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny. So, they, they totally... You sent this to me. It is the cutest thing. It is so cute. And <laughs> they pose their dog. Their dog's name is Humphrey as the baby. And they just kind of had fun with it. Um, and they do a lot of the, like, typical poses that parents do <laughs> with their newborn baby or with their kid when they're expecting another baby or whatever. And they just they just had fun with it. And apparently it's went viral and they had no idea it was going to. I, first of all, I feel like they just need applause because this is brilliant. Um, <laughs> Bravo! Citizen Kane um, slow climb. Everybody knows who's in any kind of like relationship or just just a young adult. There's an age at which people start like, "Hey, when are you gonna get married? When are you gonna have kids?" Blah blah. Um, Getting that question a lot lately. <laughs> and I love this. I love it because it's like just so lighthearted and fun and adorable the photos are adorable and at the same time you know that nobody is going to ask them for a very long time no that's where they're wrong because i would see those pictures and go so you're infertile (laughs) oh oh no i just i love it i think that it's brilliant and it's so cute and i almost said like cal we need a dog just to do the same thing so that people won't a dog or a baby Perfect. Like, well, like, you know, some dogs. Why would we have a except kid? dogs like, are babies. Doesn't make any sense. I know. It's, I'm yeah. just saying. I just want to do the photo shoot because it's so cute. Yeah, it's all cute. It's really the only mm, thing. I don't want a dog. They make everything smell. So funny. you want a kid? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> they make everything smell you, fun. Oh, okay, that's true. <laughs> Same answer to both. <laughs> okay, at least a dog you can put in a kennel. Where right. it has a kid, it just has a run of. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's just like a, adorable though. Can't put I mean, a kid in a cage. Like, I, I, won't, I won't put it on the podcast. Yeah. But I just can't, yeah, I can't put a kid in a cage anymore. Yeah. No, but honestly, if you see these photos, you're just like, oh, like, it's yeah, so, cute. so cute. It's so cute. They even did like the all their feet sticking out of the blankets. And it's like these two little dogs. That's adorable. So cute. Oh my goodness. Like the baby hanging in the like little sheet thing that they do. All of it. It's so adorable. Okay. All right. So we're going to continue with this animal theme. And uh, you can file this under people who have entirely too much time on their hands. (laughs) I think we did did a podcast recently (laughs) where uh, Hats Off was to Hitchbot. Hitchbot. That was a a social experiment, but just too much time on your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Can this robot hitchhike across the United States? No, no, yeah. Not not the United States, but definitely can hitchhike across other countries. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, this guy, um, his name is Thomas... Thwaite, T-H-W-A-I-T-E. He spent three days as part of a goat herd in the Swill Alps to satisfy his curiosity for goat behavior. So, so, yep, um, there's a picture of him. Um, I'll I'll post a link to this picture. Um, But uh, Thwaite used prosthetic arms to move around just like the other members of the herd, just like goats, to satisfy a basic curiosity of, hmm, I wonder what it's like to live like a goat. I, uh, now, now, here's the thing. Like, when I've left my home during the day, my dog's at home, mm-hmm. I sometimes wondered, this be... Do, 
Screaming goat video. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. That's that's two podcasts in a row you've done uh, special effects on. That's been great. <laughs> what I do last? You did the, the the fat water. Oh yeah, fat water. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so if you guys were listening last week, you need to go back and hear that sound effect. It was fantastic. But we know you already listened to that because you're huge fans. <laughs> um, but so we've we've got this uh, this guy and he's he's walking around like a goat and he's got these prosthetic arms on and uh, and so I've I've wondered you know when I'm gone from the house. When when I had a dog when I was a kid, do the dogs like speak English while we're gone? Like, do they do they actually play cards like in, like in the picture? The right? Disney yeah. movies would have yeah. you believe that? Yeah. Like, yeah. They would have you that. But uh, but I have wondered sometimes like when my dogs running and stuff like ah oh, I wonder what it's like to be a dog and it stops there. That's pretty much it. This guy was so curious, he fashioned goat prosthetic arms. Okay, there are people who like have had limbs blown off in war, and so we've we've worked hard to create new prosthetics mm-hmm. for human beings. Mm-hmm. He is probably the only person on the planet with prosthetic goat arms that and legs of. that we know of. <laughs> it could it could take off. I don't know. I mean, I think it's hilarious. It's I'm getting blank weird. stares here from everybody it's else. Do you know? It's weird. Do you know what it's will weird. not be taking off is his social life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, aren't you that? Aren't you the goat? You're goat, goat boy. It's, it's is a little, he yeah. single or married? Because what I'm do you think, Jen? Yeah, he's he's pretty single. He's married to a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. The experiment oh. went very well. He <laughs> <laughs> she was able to look past his prosthetic arms. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Oh. <laughs> 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 That's very dirty dancing. Uh. <laughs> dirty, like literally. That's a sheep. <laughs> Josh has, uh, Josh Duggar has has done, honestly, by saying I'm the biggest hypocrite ever, has done uh, most of our work for us. Uh, I mean, I. I guess let me be say the most obvious thing possible but and that is my thought is not to be angry with uh, with Josh uh, and not to say how uh, disappointed I am or what a terrible person he is but simply that I don't I want him to disappear uh, I don't ever want to hear from him or his family again uh, I've long believed, since before the scandal broke, that his family is a is a religious cult. Uh, they're part of a, a movement called the Quiverful Movement, um, which they they deny that they're part of the Quiverful Movement. But the uh, I don't even know what that is. Quiverful so is a Quiverful is a sect of Christianity that believes that um, the world. Uh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and the only way to fight it is to make good Christians, as many good Christians as possible, and you, it is your responsibility to have a baby every year, pretty much, as long as you can do it, so, which leads to families of 17 kids, and then the process is, uh, you know, of, of two parents and 17 kids, I'm sorry, no, 19 kids, 19, kids. 19 there's 21 Duggars, uh, two parents and 19 kids, and then the process has started to repeat itself in that uh, Josh is 27 and his wife is, I think, 26. 
and they've had four babies. How many 26-year-olds do you know with four babies? So this, I mean, it's... Are we talking about in the suburbs or in the hood? Fair cause... enough. Fair <laughs> enough, yes. Um, in the hood, they're behind. Yeah, so I just, I, he has obviously been an embarrassment to the cause of Christ, and I don't think he should, uh, I don't I don't want the family to go through any more pain than they've already been through. I don't want him to be hung from a stanchion in the town square. Just stop talking. Stop telling other families... Stop making a living telling other families that they're doing it wrong. (laughs) Here's a Captain Obvious statement. The person I really feel bad for here is his wife, Anna. uh, for, uh, For two reasons. I mean, you know, she... She is dragged through the mud, um, and uh, I'm brain lapse here. Okay, um, she's dragged through the mud. Her and because she is a part of this movement, and she wouldn't be married to a Duggar if she weren't raised in the same church with the same beliefs. Um, she is now in her. She's approaching thirty. Mm-hmm. She has no college education. She uh, her. Her high school was homeschooling. She's got four kids, no marketable skills whatsoever. And a husband, I mean, she has no, I don't want the pie. She has no options. She has no options and no options. And what's sad is that I saw a statement from her yesterday, and this this was also incredibly predictable, where she says, um, don't be too hard on Josh. This is partially my fault. And I didn't see anything that she said okay, beyond Okay, yeah. so that's, that's where my, my question comes from here. Okay. Um, I have heard this before. I mean, some of the things that came out in, in terms of what Josh Duggar was looking for, um, two things really stuck out to me. Talk about fantasies. He wanted to talk about fantasies. And he wanted someone, he was looking for someone who was open to experimentation. Okay. Now, what that says to me as a man is his wife was not open to either of those things. Yes. And so then what has happened when you hear those things, I have heard pastors talk about other pastors or leaders who are caught in these kinds of things who place blame on the woman because, oh, you know what? She's cold and something wasn't being provided at home, which is why he had to go look over here for something else. And so that, then my question then is, is for, for you, Karen, and for you, Jen, on on stuff like that, I mean, you. If a woman is not open to experimentation, if a woman is not open to talking about fantasies, if a woman uh, doesn't um, want to sit in a bubble bath, and I know sometimes you have a kid and you don't want to, I don't have time to think. It, I just been, I'm tired. I just want to go to sleep. Right? Don't touch me. Those kinds of things. <laughs> She's had four kids at this point, right? I, I figure that's probably happening a lot. Um, what I wonder about these kinds of things is what what does it make you feel? When you hear these kinds of things happen and the woman either takes the blame or you hear men place the blame on the woman, if only she had been open to this, then he, Josh wouldn't have needed to go off and have these two accounts and ruin his family. If you had just opened your legs whenever he wanted, 
That's kind of the message I hear, this but sounds, I want to know how you hear it. It just sounds a lot like Adam and Eve to me. I was like, what? I ate the fruit with this woman that you gave me. It was like the woman's fault and God. <laughs> the same, the same <laughs> like, way, right? Like, yeah. You're really blaming God in this it's situation? Like, yeah, God did this and the woman. I had no choice but to eat this apple. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, that's totally just where, where my mind goes. I definitely agree uh, that, you know, Marriage problems are a two-way street. Even if just one person's struggling, there's two people in a marriage. The two are one. So yes, like there could have been, there absolutely could, obviously were struggles in their marriage. Um, it could have been just a, him, you know, not communicating. Maybe her being unwilling to communicate about certain things that made her uncomfortable. But he made the choice, and he had the response to have an affair. Like, that was his reaction to something that was going on in the marriage, and that is not her fault. That he, She did not make him do that. And it wasn't like he stumbled upon something while he was like in a weak moment and something happened that he didn't mean to happen. He pursued it. Like, he signed up for a website like intending for this to happen. Like, I would have a lot more understanding if it was just something like he was, they got in a fight and he was in a bar and, you know, like, like that would still be terrible, but it would be like, you know... You made a, you made a mistake but you could say, in the like, moment. It wasn't premeditated. Exactly. You were you were inebriated. It was a, a mistake you made in the moment. But for someone to sign up, at, you know, and talk to somebody online and to pursue it further, obviously he wanted to have an affair. That was his intention. And uh, and in that case, uh, yeah, it's like to say that it's her fault. No. Yeah, there's two people in the marriage. She probably, you know, the two of them had issues that they needed to work out, and that was both of them, but he did this. This was this is on him. Mm-hmm. For me, it actually shows a little bit of the mentality of which she was raised in, and let me elaborate on that. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> it kind of ties back to our women in ministry and the comment that Kent said about um, the one daughter, the Duggar daughter, wanted to ask permission. Jessa, Jessa, right? I want to say. And how that one is viewed as property and one is children, right? J- Jana. And so with that being the case, it, it breeds a certain mentality, right? Mm-hmm. That if you don't have the same equal value, it's your job to make that man happy. It's your job to to do all these things because your value is only it's only upon essentially how well you help him Anna how well you has serve him no identity except as Joshua Duggar's wife and if she, and if he's going elsewhere she is a fa- she feels like a failure hmm. and I, yeah i think that it really brings to light that a lot because it's the same mentality if of that person who said hey my eyebrows your eyebrows are you know tempting me and instead of the pastor talking to the male about we need to maybe talk about some self-control and some issues that he had going on inside of him instead the woman was approached that it was her fault and it's her responsibility to therefore no longer tempt him by not waxing her eyebrows or plucking them and so that's the mentality that kind of comes to me from that statement Mm -hmm. is that she was taught that he had an affair because she wasn't doing her job and her job was to take care of the home (laughs) and be his sex whatever like that that's the message that I hear and actually the message I've heard a lot of women think this a lot of women think like this a lot of women think that if he was unfaithful to me, that I somehow failed. I wasn't enough. I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't do what he wanted me to, like, I didn't experiment with this or whatever. And I think that 
that adherent belief Mm -hmm. comes from them being taught that their value is somehow only connected to him. It's that same mentality that a, a, a girl child in China doesn't have the value. And I think that they are they are connected and they are very much connected when you're looking at the over the over um arching arching yeah similarities between churches who really teach that women are not equal in their fundamental beliefs and it's they don't say it but they they say it by the way that other things are formulated like this. Um, just to kind of uh, piggyback off of that, um, the the book Captivating talks a lot about just how women in general have that um, usually think one or the other, either I'm not enough or I'm too much. Um, I know that rings true for me. I think I've talk, even talked about it on the podcast before uh, about how, and I don't think it's necessarily just the way she's raised, although clearly she had a lot of people speaking into that sure. in her life. Women, um, women, I would say, struggle with that. Exa- yeah. Women do, and I think that's part of, like, the church's job to help us realize, you know, like, I might sit here and think, you know, maybe I'm too needy or maybe I'm too loud or maybe I ask too many questions um, or, you know, whatever. Maybe I, I need to buy too many groceries, whatever it is. I'm too much. I need to and rein it in and at the same time I'll say maybe I'm not enough maybe I'm not entertaining enough maybe I'm not funny enough maybe I'm not pretty enough uh, and so I kind of go back and forth between those two things and that's where like our family comes in my husband comes in my family my friends the church to say you know you are gods and you are just what he created you to be and like, that's the message of the church that's what it should be that's what it should be yes. um, and so uh, absolutely, she has been fed other things. Like because because I think our our natural instinct is to feel the blame on us, and then our friends. I actually had a friend um, had a similar not not uh, as public, but had a similar situation she went through about a year ago, and you know her coming to me and saying those things that were on her heart, like maybe this is something that I did. Did I make him do this? And right. I think because that's you're, you're the natural thing you think, and for her, uh, you know that's what me and a couple other girlfriends were there, and like no. No, like right. you, if you, you have problems in your marriage, yes, you're both part of that. But like he did this thing to you and your family. This is not something that you need to take responsibility for. Well, I think our society is also set up in a way where we're set up to be a couple. You know, um, I mean, I remember when I was single, it was often almost like frustrating because I was a I was single because I chose to be. I didn't want to just date to date. I wanted to date somebody that. I valued enough to date. And um, so in that, it's, uh, you know, if you don't have that other person, oh, well, you know, it's like your life is waiting to start or something. People have this idea, even in churches, they treat you differently. You know, like you don't have this spot. And it's kind of like people are like, oh, okay, <laughs> we don't know what to do with you. Um, and it's like that in the world too. I think there was like a Sex of the City um, episode about that, how like the, like people and couples were like against the single, like they joked about it, but it was true. So there's there's the uh, world's equal of that as well. But I read this somewhere that I think is so pivotal and it's in the world, not just in the church. But one of the lies I think that is in culture, our culture is anyhow, is that that idea that my better half, which emanates the idea that I am not whole. I am not whole. I need somebody else to complete me. There's even that idea, you complete me, or you're my better half, which says in it inherently that you need somebody else to be whole. Instead of the truth of the Bible, 
that says that I am whole not because of another person, but in Christ. I am whole because of him and what he did on the cross. And this other person isn't meant to to make me whole, but rather they're meant to add to me. They're meant to be my partner. And yes, two become one, but that's it's not two halves make a whole. It's two whole people becoming one. And that's a very different theology mm. than, it, than the other is. And I think that the other's so sly that we kind of buy into that. But we need to remember the Bible did not say two halves make a whole. It said two whole, two whole people make one. Oh, okay, so here's something that really is... I always feel very torn. Like, I know what the Bible says. I, I know that the Bible says that this is wrong. I know that the Bible makes, um, you know, Josh Duggar is out there. He's saying, you know, God calls us on this, conservative family values, because they line up with Scripture. I'm coming from Scripture. This is why I believe this. And then he's out here doing this thing that the Bible says not to do. So it's making him a hip. You know, he's a, he's a hypocrite in that. He, he's a hypocrite in that he believes that the Bible says this is wrong, and then he's out there doing it. Right? That's what makes him a hypocrite. Um... What does not make him a hypocrite is the fact that our culture makes this beautiful and makes it possible. Okay, so we live in a culture and where apologizing—that doesn't make him a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to give him credit. There. Yeah, apologize—you know—apologizing notwithstanding, if he hadn't been caught, he wouldn't apologize. That's true. I mean, I mean that's just the, the fact of the matter. Um, but what we have is a culture. That again, I, I said this. I think I said it earlier. If they didn't get cut off, I'm repeating it. Um, we live in a culture where affairs are beautiful. We live in a culture that disdains marriage or puts it off as long as humanly possible. We live in a culture um, that uh, a website like this exists and is a service and is completely and utterly legal. Okay. So if we live in a culture that says that, and then we have a culture that have have ready-made answers for women. You're not enough. You didn't do enough. It's your fault, which comes out of a pornified culture because you have a pornified culture and men start to have an inability to separate fiction from reality. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, yeah, that looks like it's fun for her. But guess what? She's coked out of her mind right now to make sure that she doesn't feel any pain or, hey, she's being sex trafficked or, hey, you know what? She is airbrushed and her body has been cut up in all sorts of different ways. That's not what she looked like at all. She, of course, looks perfect, but that's not a, what a real woman's body looks like. So you've got all this stuff that we are inundated with, just placed. Uh, I, actually, I actually saw a billboard not too long ago uh, for a, a porn shop. And it was called The Lion's Den. Mm -hmm. And I said, only one guy ever survived that. And that <laughs> took a miracle. Wow. That's a good that thought. took a miracle, right? And so we live in this culture that says that all of these things are okay. So then Josh Duggar um, lives in this culture, mm -hmm. succumbs to this culture. And now the culture, of course, they rightly say he's a hypocrite, but only based upon his beliefs. Other than that, the culture has for a very long time said and said that what he is doing is okay and champion this kind of behavior. We go after people who, like, if, if a politician comes out on this list, which I'm sure it will, we'll be like, par for the course, right? Par for the course. That's what we think politicians do, right? They're all liars anyway, right? But this guy, well, he's a Christian. He becomes a target because of this, but I'm going... At the same time, and I'm not defending him by any means. His actions are completely wrong. But I'm also going, this culture that disdains Christians has set up 
a culture to make everyone fall. And then when a Christian does, and, and our culture calls for Christians to be hypocrites in the first place, because things like, hey, you know what? The Bible teaches that this is wrong. We're like, oh, but we think it's okay. And so you guys just need to get with the times, okay? Screw what the Bible says. You just need to get on our page and say that it's okay. And because then they do. Yeah, and, and then when they do, uh, and, and when they do something like this, they're like, oh, well, they're hypocrites. So our culture is very schizophrenic mm-hmm. about what Christians You're are right. and are not hypocrites on. I will tell you, he is a hypocrite on this. He is very much a hypocrite on this because of what the Bible says. There are areas in my life. The, the message of his Bible, his, his message was for families. Right, and all of right. Too. So absolutely. Even more of a hypocrite. Yeah, even, even yeah, that well, much more of a hypocrite. A lot of preachers will preach on what they struggle with. So, yeah, absolutely. You know. I, like I fear, I fear like, you know, I've been on the internet for a while. I've done some pretty dumb stuff on the internet. And the internet lives forever. There's something called digital permanence. It's always there. It can always be found, Right. People who used to be Ashley Madison, you know, customers are being outed in this whole thing. So I, I fear in this digital age, you know, having, you know, my dark deeds brought to light. Like, what would that look like? It does um, remind me of that scripture, you know, what is done in secret will be made public and what is made public will be in secret. I mean, will be... It's so, yeah. in John, John 3. Yeah. Yeah, John 3 I'm talks about that. I'm not quoting it word for word, but... Yeah, uh, and we can read that later, but uh, I've, I've said a lot, so... Kent? I guess the only the only question I would have, not to, not to challenge your idea, but you say, this is the culture that we've made, this is what we allow in this culture. Jo- I'm, I don't, granted, I, I don't want to come down too hard on the one guy, but... Josh Duggar grew up in this culture, and my in my head I immediately thought, did he? Because he grew up in his house, going to school with his younger siblings, being taught by his mother, took online courses somewhere, and then went to work for Tony Perkins at the Family Research Council. He doesn't watch TV. Well, what part of the culture is he exposed to? Well, okay, you can go to a seven. Okay, so in, in the Old Testament, David wrote the question, Lord, how can a man keep his way pure, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, David didn't go into 7-Eleven to buy a Snickers bar and have FH, FHM magazine and GQ magazine, and Playboy magazine, and all that, like, inundating you. So on his way to work, how many advertisements do you pass by on a billboard? Okay, a gazillion. You're on the Internet, and you're working on the Internet, and you're doing Family Research Council. Guess what? Family Research Council, research is the number one part of their thing, right? They research stuff. So, hey, you know what? We're going to research how many people are porn addicts. How do, how do I know how many porn sites that there are and how they open every 10 minutes? That's from the Family Research Council, believe it or not. They did that research, which means they have access to the names and the things that these places do. So they do it so that you don't have to, right? That they do. Right, I'm sure that they do, right? I mean, I want to assume that a lot of the people are good, do mean good, mm-hmm. and that the, the one bad apple is not representative of the whole tree, right? So, Or maybe the one that just fell to temptation, too. Sometimes right. you're not... So, so just because he was raised in his house and homeschooled and all that stuff doesn't mean he's not part of the larger culture and had no access to it. He may have been sheltered for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, which could also play into when you're sheltered for a long like time. A lot of people who are sheltered for a long time go crazy when they finally get access. Um, like there's this uh, there's a documentary called uh, The Devil's Playground, and it's about um, Amish kids. When they're 16, they go through this process called Rumspringa. 
which means literally running around from 16 to 21. And the, the Is family... That long? Yeah, they, a lot of them choose to become part of the church before they turn 21, but from 16 to 21, they're allowed to run around and go crazy and get the sin out of their system. That's kind of how it's, uh, how it's looked at. And uh, they have a 95% retention rate in their church, believe it or not, because the kids go crazy and they're like, I'm tired of sin. I'm done. I, I burned out on it. And they become part of the church. I disagree with the way that they, they do that, but... Um, it does go to show that people who are very sheltered go nuts. I was sheltered and I went nuts for a little while. And there's some ways where I'm still like, man, you know, what would my 18 year old self say to my 36 year old self? Because there were a lot of things I didn't do when I was younger because I wasn't allowed to. I got, I remember getting spanked for, um, for the, the radio when I was a kid, the jazz station was right between like a rock station and another rock station. And I wasn't allowed to listen to that. And the needle was so close it like moved in the middle of the night and I had gone to sleep to jazz and I woke up in the middle of the night getting a spanking to a soundtrack on the rock station because my mom was like, you're not supposed to listen to rock music, right? And so I was very really sheltered. Which, spanked to Paradise City. Yeah, I was. I, I, nobody wants to get beat <laughs> to a soundtrack. No. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, being, being sheltered can lead to this too. And I'm not, I, I sound like I'm making excuses for this guy. I, I'm not trying to make excuses. What I am trying to do is understand how some of this happens. There are so many leaders, especially men leaders in churches, that go through something uh, devastating like this. Like something comes out of you know the closet, or um, they you know have had an affair that comes becomes public in the church, or it's discover that they, you know, abuse their kids or have some kind of drug problem. It's, it's not an uncommon story. And I think a large part of that is because um, they're lonely. I think they, they have nobody to talk to. They're the one that everyone's looking to, mm -hmm. to be the role model. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying it's an excuse for the bad things they do, but I do think it gives you a level of understanding that so much is expected of them. Um, Josh Duggar is, you know, this TV show, and he's uh, expected to be this, you follow in the footsteps of his family, and he's expected to be a great husband, mm -hmm. like his father modeled for him, and he's expected to champion um, families and champion the church, and so if he was having problems with lust, like, who is he going to talk to about that? Obviously, he has been having that problem for a long time. If he, you know, was molesting people as a teenager, um, and they didn't really address it fully then, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of were like, oh, he's just being a kid, but like... He, I guess he wasn't given the space to talk about that and say, you know, maybe I'm not ready for leadership. Maybe um, this isn't the path for me. Uh, and I just, like, again, like, not to justify anything he's doing, but something my husband says all the time is that the church is full of powerful and lonely men, men that people are looking to, uh, but that just feel empty inside or feel like they're giving all the time. They're not giving out of their overflow. They don't have anything left in their cup, and so they turn to other things trying to get filled up. I think giving out of your overflow versus your cup is a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. When I, w I think um, a, a mentor that I had told me this one time, he said, Jennifer, you always have to keep your, your cup overflowing because you have to give out of that overflow. If you give out of your cup, it will run dry and you'll fail. And I thought that that was a really good pivotal, you know, advice. And I think that that's something that we don't, we, we don't do good as a whole. And again, this is not to make excuses or let him off the hook. I think he failed, you know, in this capacity for sure. But 
I also think that uh, the people who are feeding us, we don't do a good job at taking care of sometimes. There was a there was a pastor. I think there was a witch hunt for this guy uh, several months ago. So people will probably tune out just by me saying his name. But Mark Driscoll uh, wrote a book. Um, I can't. It was. I think it was called Sex and Marriage or Marriage and Sex or something like that. He wrote it with his wife Grace. Was it real and, sex? Real sex. Real sex. Real yes, sex, real yeah. sex. Okay. And so there's a section uh, on the book. There's a chapter in the book called Can We? And it was just questions that he had gotten as a pastor over the years of Can we do this? Can we do that? married couples can we have this kind of sex can we do this kind? and I, I think that is also part of the problem because kind of going back to that whole you know talking about fantasies and open to experimentation I think so many Christians I, I'll, I'll, I'll just be very honest here and when I was young when I was uh, a teenager I went to a, a youth camp and they had this kind of ask the pastors section. And I was like 17, 16, 16 years old, very sheltered. And I just remember, you know, asking a question about oral sex. And I just said, because I, I felt wrong about that. I was like, you know, I don't want that to ever happen to me. Because I've been taught that these kinds of things are, or tacitly taught, like my parents, you know, now you assume your parents have done things, right? Um, but... Uh, you're tacitly taught certain things are evil and wrong, and and you don't do those. And I remember, now I look back on it, and like other kids behind me were like snickering, and I thought they were snickering because you know, like, <laughs> I'm glad he asked and not me, right? Um, but now they're like snickering, like this guy's an idiot, right? <laughs> it's like okay, so you, know, you grow up, you get some experience, but I feel like within um, within the church, we are tacitly told um, everything you need to do. Uh, especially when it comes to sex, needs to be conservative, right? So conservative family values means conservative sex. There is missionary position and, you know, maybe on top if it's your birthday. You know, that's that's, that's pretty much, you know, kind of the message that's sold. And so I think a lot of men and women uh, have this fear of of talking. I mean, uh, in his book, Mark Driscoll said this, this, Husband and wife both cheated on each other because they were afraid to have a conversation about the fantasies uh, that they wanted to have. And, and if they had, and, and when he counseled them, and the husband was like, you never told me that. I would have totally done that. And the wife was like, you never told me that. I would have totally done that as well. And so uh, everything could have been fine if they had just talked to each other. But there's this fear because of this overarching message, this, this message that is uh, throughout a lot of conservative churches, and I'm not against conservative churches, but when it comes to sex, I think they've, we've dropped the ball, and this is me growing up in conservative churches, many of them. Um, when it comes to talking about sex, and some people ask the question, is it the place of the church to talk about sex? It's a whole other podcast. Well, the whole world's but, talking about it, so I, right. I feel like we have um, to. Yeah. But a lot of people feel like, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. And so then that leads to, okay, I want to do this over here because I know, well, I know that this type of sex is wrong. I really want to have it. And so I'm going to do this wrong thing. I'm going to do it with this person over here. I think because they're not my wife and it's it's wrong with them and I'm still not doing something wrong with my wife. So there's there's a certain virtue to it, yeah. but there's also they kind of twist it in their yeah, head it's and a twist it. Like, yeah, that's better. Yeah, it's ver- it's virtuous. Yeah. But a lot of this could be fixed if the church weren't taught yeah. tacitly and um, overtly that a lot of things are absolutely wrong and sinful for you to do, and if you do that, you're going to hell. There's a lot of room within the marriage bed for experimentation right. and and. People just need to have those conversations. They're not having them. 
I think that we've lost sight of the the truth in the Bible of we have the God that created sex and he created marriage and he created that to be beautiful. And um, he, he isn't there to try to, I think that's the idea that God is there to try to like prevent you from having a good life and prevent you from having fun in general, that underlying message that's not just in sex. You know, there's that idea in general. And we need to remember that God created all of those good things. And that there are so, I mean, the devil has some perversion of them as well. But there's all kinds of beautiful, great experiences that God created the original. And he wants us to have that. The same God who wrote the Saga Songs, the same God who created sex so that it could be for enjoyment as well. And, and I think that we need to remember you know, even the Bible, like there's three different types of love and Eros is one of them. And that's a beautiful thing. And I don't remember the Hebrew equivalent. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's in there and it's... Sub- Dode. Dode. Okay. Such a funny name, Dode. right? Dode. <laughs> but- it sounds as good as Eros. I know, right? Raya, Ahava, and Dode. Okay. Well, anyhow, but, but that's the God that create, I mean, the God we serve is the same God that created all those things and he created them to be beautiful. And the very things that we love and enjoy that make those things, um, things that we desire and are pleasurable, he made it that way. But the devil also has a perversion of that. He has a counterfeit for everything. And we just need to remember that it's something beautiful within the realms that he created it and the bounds that he created it. Um, and he did that not to withhold good things from us. The Bible said that he wants to withhold no good thing from us. He gives us boundaries to protect us and to keep us in his love so that we can enjoy things further. So then what do we do with Josh Duggar? I mean, well, I he, want to ask you a question. He, he you asked a- us about the difference of how, you know, how she responded and, um, you know, if you think an emotional or physical, I mean, what are your thoughts on it, guys? What do we, like, what, what what do women owe? No, what owe do men? you think about it? Like, if it was the other way around, if it was her, one, okay, I just have to throw this out there. I feel bad for her in this regards is that if she stays with him, if she decides to work through this with him and love him, she is going to be raked across the coals, and I think that that's sad too. That is sad. I mean, I do have to give her credit because I mean. I, like personally, I think forgiveness is, has a great place in marriage. Now, obviously, if he has no intentions of staying faithful to her from here on out, well, that's a different conversation. Right. But like, if he's truly sorry and wants to move forward, I think, um, I but think no it's really beautiful what? that she wants to try to work it out. Right. She's not going to be let off by the hook at all. Yeah. Oh no. So yeah. I think that that, that's, that's sad. countercultural because she yeah. didn't do anything to deserve that. Exactly. And let's not make any mistake about it. She's going to stay with him. Yeah. Right. Because she doesn't. She doesn't but, recognize that there is an But option. does it have to be that? Can it not just be that she is maybe this beautiful woman who sees grace and mercy and maybe really loves her husband and can work past that? I think we're too cynical to see that. I, think, I, I, I think understand that, but I think that that's what's so it, sad. It could, it could very well be that, because the word grace has really, really not come up in this conversation at all. Forgiveness is not something that we believe in. We believe in it in theory, you know, at Christmas, you know, we forgive our family if members and things like that. If, <laughs> yeah, if we need it, it's a very real and necessary thing. If we don't need it, we are judge, jury, and executioner. 
Um, but, like, I want to believe that she that, that could be the reason. Well, I absolutely want to believe that yeah. that, yeah. that could and be the so, reason as well. But most people just are too skeptical to actually and believe I, I want to believe that he's sincerely sorry and maybe we'll never do this again. But, I mean, I can't say that. I don't know if he will, but my I, I instinct, hope that they can uh, work My it out. instinct, and maybe, and I don't, obviously, I don't know personally I, uh, anybody involved in this story. Um, and it may be easy for me to say this, but my first instinct as to whether or not he's genuinely remorseful is this could have come up in June. Uh, Just get it all on the table the, at one time. Yeah. The, show, <laughs> the show was already... I mean, it wasn't officially canceled until a couple of weeks ago, but the show was clearly over. They were on Megyn Kelly. Well, could he have told her? He probably told her. I mean, when this hack happened, he told her. I would go out on a limb and say that he he aired his dirty laundry out with his family. He had... We, honestly, we're doing a podcast about this guy, right? None of us are ever going to meet this guy. Um, In all honesty, in in a fences make good neighbors kind of mentality, Mm -hmm. uh, the only reason we're talking about it because it's a celebrity thing, it's a Christian in the news, and everybody's, you know, dogging on him, and rightly so in some respects. Um... But other than that, it's none of our it's none of our business. It's right. not that he had an affair. It's none of our business. The only reason it's being made our business is because, oh, you know, he was who has now stepped down from the Family Research Council, who hasn't made any of these appearances in months. Oh, we're gonna try you know, we're gonna drag him through the mud again. It came out, boom. He probably already told his family. Probably already know. I'm I I can almost guarantee from that kind of response, this is something they've worked through already. Just that he was and, so quick to say, I'm really curious right. to say. We, we disagree with the, the whole how the family handled the molestation thing when it was happening and how yep. they chose to hide it. But his, his wife knew before they got married that yep. that had happened. Right. So, so there's a lot of stuff. She might have very well known this The, the affair obviously happened after they got married. Um, I don't know how long they've been married. told her like, that night. You don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened. Right. But... Um, that's speculation too, but I'm guessing from the response, um, I'm guessing from the response that she already knew. The question. Yeah. It sounds like she's worked past the So it's just, her. it's not a good look on the family, that's right. for sure. The, the question that, that Cal, you asked a few minutes ago and about uh, what do we do with Josh Duggar, and I think partially this, this last few seconds, as we, we don't do anything. With him, because right. we don't know him. He's mm-hmm. not accountable to us. Right. Um, we're not his family. We're not his pastor. We're not his parents or his or his children or his or his brothers. But we are the court of public opinion. But we are. <laughs> um, but and so so we as in the abstract as Christians, I guess, can forgive him. Not for not that it's our job. It's Anna's job, and it's 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 Christ's right. job to forgive him. Um, his injury, the way that, that we as the church are injured, is, is the, the testimony that he has given as, to, uh, as an example, but also, um, and the thing that is really sand in my gears, not to be repetitive, is the fact that both, I mean, in, in, in many different ways, part, many, some of which we've hashed out in the past and some... We haven't. Um, this is a person whose job it was to look at other people and say, your love is not as good as mine. My marriage is important and yours is wrong. And so I think, it's, I think there are people who are not in his family and who are not at this table 
who might deserve an apology.